And whether you're quarantined in the house or not, you still don't want your gym bag being all nasty. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure your stuff stays in check. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to your junk. Thanks to their lawnmower 3.0, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably at home looking for something to do, why not make manscaping a part of your new routine? You don't want to look like you're sitting on Ming's shoulders from WCW, and you don't want Brutus the Barber Beefcake chomping away down there, and you dang sure don't want to use that Freebird hair removal cream. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with new and improved lawnmower 3.0, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Your goods are going to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Inside the Perfect Package you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You're probably sitting on the couch like Al Bundy right now anyway, so you might as well keep everything smooth and fresh. Subscribe to the perfect package to get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs this is the perfect package for your perfect package get 20 percent off and free shipping with code slopdrop at manscaped.com that's slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the promo code slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p That's a slot drop. I can answer that. That's a slot drop. What is that move? That's a slot drop. Slot drop time. That's a slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. The slot drop indeed. What's up, humanoids? Welcome yep. back to the slot drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Wupig Sumo on Twitter, and we are joined by the unluckiest man in the world. Diamond David Lee, what's up? What's up? How you been? Good. Hey, I guess uh, we would uh, have to start this off before we kick things off. Got to mention that uh, uh, the passing of Joe Laurinaitis, Road Warrior Animal, passed away today at the age of 60. Man, Road Warriors, talk about trailblazers. Oh, man, still to date, one of the most popular tag teams out there. Everybody knows who they are. Whenever they were, you know, uh, I don't think anybody wasn't a Road Warriors fan at some point. There it is, right there. Had to rock the shirt today. But, uh, yeah, I mean, name another tag team or, or a wrestler who's known for a pop. You know, they come out, get that Road Warrior pop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, nobody. You know, they, they were one of a kind. Uh, you know, the shoulder pads with the spikes, uh, WrestleMania, I believe it was WrestleMania when they rode in with the, uh, the Harleys, uh, you know, the face paint, the haircut, you know, everything. And, and just the fact that they are were just humongous guys in general. And, uh, you know, it's sad to see them go. It really is. How many people have tried to mimic that gimmick though? 
often imitated but uh, never duplicated. I mean, one of, if not the best tag team, definitely on the Mount Rushmore best tag teams. Absolutely. Well, 24 years ago this week, WWF In Your House 10 Mind Game, September 22nd, 1996, came from Philly, about 15,000 in attendance. Kevin Kelly did interviews. The Fink did the ring announcing. Commentators Vince McMahon, Mr. Perfect, and good old JR. The site of In Your House Mind Games. Hello, everyone. Vince McMahon here, along with Mr. Perfect, along with Jim Ross, and we're likely to see some mind games here tonight. Well, there's no doubt there's going to be some mind games played. There's also going to be some severe games played with the body and some games played from the soul as well. I can guarantee this is going to be an extraordinary event. What are you trying to say? That the final curtain will fall on The Undertaker and that Shawn Michaels will lose the World Wrestling Federation title and his mind? Anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation, no question about that. Man, you know, you often forget how good uh, Vince McMahon was, you know, as, as a commentator. Man, he just gets into it. and uh, You know, he's got that signature fake laugh. <laughs> you know, just just perfect. And, uh, uh, you know, I always talk about Bobby Heenan and, and JR and Tony Giovanni and that. But, man, I you know, Vince needs a lot of credit, too. He, oh, he sure. was one of those that really brought it back. And, and Mr. Perfect. That, he was yeah. really good on it. Man, Henning was so good about everything he did. I mean. Oh, yeah. Uh, champions at perfect. this time, uh, world champ was Shawn Michaels, intercontinental champ. Uh, it was vacant due to Ahmed Johnson being injured. Tag champs was the smoking guns, Billy and Bart. The pre-show dark matches, look, I mean, this was pretty stacked here. Jake the Snake Roberts defeated Hunter Hearst Hemsley. Farouk defeated Mark Miro. Psycho Sid defeated Vader. Savio Vega defeated Marty Jannetty. And uh, Bradshaw interfered, which led to the first actual match of the pay-per-view. Savio Vega defeated Justin Hawk Bradshaw a little over seven minutes in a Caribbean strap match. Vega's touched three as well. Yes, Vega has been touching each buckle right behind. There it is. He's just an inch away. Just an inch away. Savio Vega has officially won the match. Savio Vega continuing to be undefeated in these leather strap matches, but this one really took its toll. Justin Hawk Bradshaw, man, I loved it. They, uh, you know, him and Savio, they did a good match. I can't remember who it was. Was it was it him and Savio that did the that went kind of on a little uh, little circle about it? Uh, one match, the the lights went out. Who was that against? That was Savio and somebody. I don't remember. But Savio's been – he's actually been in a lot of good matches and really deserves credit for making stars, including uh, Bradshaw here. And he's admittedly said – Stone Cold has said that. Um, this match here came about from the pre-show when Bradshaw interrupted uh, the Savio Vega-Marty Jannetty match. Uh, Savio was billed as being undefeated in the Caribbean strap matches. Both men connected with a leather strap. Uh, which can be used as a weapon. The first to touch all top turnbuckles consecutively wins. Uh, Savio wins after Bradshaw inadvertently pulled him into the turnbuckle, causing him to touch it, the, the last and fourth one for the win. Harvey Whippleman was the referee. Uh, of course, he was also a pretty good manager back in the day. 
Again, Savio Vega, very underrated, uh, helped establish many Hall of Famers. Bradshaw, of course, JBL, he's a Hall of Famer. Zeb Colder out there managing him. Uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel, which is a poster boy for Manscaped. By the way, use that promo code Slop Drop for your 20% off. There's a cheap plug for you. But just this opening match, uh, full of Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, not a bad way to start. No, you know, who would have thought back then, looking at Justin Hawk Bradshaw, that he would turn into JBL, you know, and even Savio Vega and Dutch and, and Harvey. It just, it, it's, it's, that's why I enjoy going back and watching the shows kind of, you know, like, like JBL, you know, this was before he made it, you know, this was before he got into his own persona and, uh, you know, look how far he came. But what this match is known for, of course, I mentioned earlier, they are in Philly, home of ECW. You hear some loud ECW chants during this match, partly because they're sitting at ringside. Uh, was Paul Heyman, the Sandman, and Tommy Dreamer. Sandman spits beer in the Savio Vegas face. Uh, on commentary, Vince even mentions a local wrestling group uh, was in attendance. Uh, and then the ECW guys were escorted out. Obviously, this is a work shoot and the start of a secret and legit relationship between Vince McMahon and Paul Heyman from ECW. Hey, wait just a moment. There is a, there's a local wrestling group here in Philadelphia, and obviously trying to make a name for themselves here. At the expense of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> and we will not shoot this ugly incident that is occurring. You know, both those guys are, are geniuses in their own and in their own separate way. You know, you look at what Vince McMahon has built with the WWE, uh, you know, back WWF, whatever, when he got it from his dad. But, you know, people nowadays, especially, they don't give Paul Heyman the credit he deserves. Paul Heyman is a wrestling genius. You know, and he made ECW from the ground up. He started out uh, taking pictures at events whenever he was, I think he said 16 or 17. He'd go there and take pictures for like a local magazine or something. And, uh, you know, he doesn't get near the credit that he deserves. A lot of the guys our age remember him. But, you know, the new the new age of wrestling fans, the only thing they know him for is, is that he's Brock Lesnar's manager. But if they'll even, even at that, if they'll sit back and listen to how he talks, and how methodical he is, and if they're old enough to understand, you know, Heyman still to this day knows what he's doing. Him and Jim Cornette are pretty much exactly alike, except one's from yeah, the south, absolutely. one's from the north. Both started out taking pictures, both known for being a manager, uh, both known for being a little controversial, and, and both have just genius wrestling minds. Yeah, you know, and that's funny that the one's from the north, one's from the south, because that's exactly right. And if they would have been born on anywhere in the same same zip code, you know, they would have come out identical. They're both just geniuses. And, of course, we'll talk about Jim Cornette here in a minute because he's, he's in, on the show. But uh, it, uh, those two there, it's, it's just unreal what they've done. I wish, I wish that I had half the mind for the business that, that, you know, that they do. It's just it's unreal. We then see a uh, segment backstage, the fake Razor and fake Diesel is shown beating up Savio Vega. That's Razor and Diesel down there. That's Razor and Diesel. And that's Savio Vega. Razor and Diesel apparently have just done a number on Savio Vega. So 
Savio not having the greatest night. He's been attacked like three or four times already on the show. Fake Razor was Rick Bogner, who passed away just last year. Fake Diesel was Glenn Jacobs, now the mayor of Knoxville. Some may remember him as Kane. I think uh, that might ring a bell to a couple people. But Fake Razor and Diesel, man, what a uh, – uh, you've seen the memes where it's got the such-and-such such brand, a generic brand. I've seen the one going around. It's got <laughs> Hall of Nash and then uh, these two guys. You know, I'm glad you mentioned uh, mentioned the, the fake razor because um, I was going to bring that up. That he did pass away uh, last year, but uh, you know, for the I appreciate it a lot more now than I did then, knowing that you know it was all just a just a stab at WCW. You know, they they took their guys, so they were going to make them think that they were coming back. You know, and according to Nash, uh, and I guess Hall too, but uh, I know Nash had said that. Uh, you know, the guy, Turner's, Turner's people down there were dumb enough to believe it. And next thing he knew, he was being flied to their, their home office and signing a contract for, you know, a big stack of money. You know, ultimately it helped help those guys out. But uh, it was it was kind of funny to me. You know, it was – it was uh, Jim Ross did it very well. And just the fact that they were kind of poking fun back at WCW and, and everything. It, to me, though, it, uh, it's really big because WWE or WWF at the time, that was to me. That was one of the ways that they actually acknowledged WCW existed. You know, talking about bringing those guys back. Uh, horrible idea. You know, Kane talked about it uh, when he was interviewed by Austin. Uh, just a just a crappy, crappy ordeal. But you know, it was. I guess it was good TV back then. Second match: Jose Lothario defeated Jim Cornette by pinfall with an uppercut. You alluded to this earlier. Get up on it. Cornette cut an in-ring pre-match promo on Lothario. Lothario, I believe, was 63 years old at the time of this match. And this is 24 years ago, so I'm not sure if he's still alive now or not. Uh, I probably should have researched that. But also yeah, I don't know. a trainer and manager of Shawn Michaels at the time. Uh, Cornette was tipping the scales a little heavy back then. It looked like he was wearing a diaper. But, uh, man, uh, 56 seconds this went. You know, uh, and one thing I, I was trying to look up and see what it was called, but Jim Cornette was actually injured in this match uh, prior to this match. He busted, I, I want to say it was his knee. Yeah, he had a knee and in it. Had kind of, yeah, it's had some kind of infection on it, and uh, they ended up having to, like, drain it and just do nasty stuff to it. So he triple-wrapped it, and, uh, and he actually mentioned in his podcast that uh, he was a little bit heavy, and that's why he had on the thick clothes and – and everything, but you know, you look at Jim Cornette's bumps as a manager. You know, I, I loved him because anytime he'd get hit, you know, his arms would go out, his his feet would go out, and he would just fly back and do a perfect back bump. And he did it several times in, in this match. Uh, obviously, not the best at running the ropes, but uh, you know, it was memorable. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know if, if Jose's passed away or not. I, you know, I hate to make an assumption about that, but uh, probably we probably should have looked that up first. Um, but yeah, I, you know, 56 seconds, but it got a, it got a good cheap pop, you know, and, uh, it put Cornell out there and that smile and just, you know, he did what he did. He, he cut a good, he cut a great promo. So Always it does. was, you know, it was what it was. Uh, Mark Maryland with Sable and Farouk with Sonny is shown backstage on the WWF Superstars hotline. Uh, those two will be facing each other for the vacant IC title. 
the following night on Raw, in which Merrill ends up winning. Uh, Brian Pillman comes out and bashes Philly. Owen Hart then joins Pillman in the ring, and they bash Brett and say Brett's too scared to be in Philly tonight, not only because Brett's scared of them, but because he's scared of the fresh, new 1996 King of the Ring winner, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin won the King of the Ring just three months prior to this. He comes out, cuts a promo on Brett. I love this man. Uh, and oh, what good things come about this. For some reason, he's not here. Why do you think he's not here? Well, the only thing that I could think of that would keep my brother Brett away from this Philadelphia is that he's scared. Of me, right? No, no, he's not scared of you. He's not even that scared of me. He's a little scared of me. But the reason that he is scared and that fear is in his eyes is for none other reason than the 1996 King of the Ring, a man none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, uh, it looks like we need to talk to this man. Stone Cold Let's bring Steve him Austin. out. Stone Cold, you've heard our thoughts on this. Why do you think Brett's not here? The whole world knew that Bret Hart wasn't going to show up. Stone Cold sure as hell knew that. The bottom line is when Stone Cold's in the house, Bret Hart is at his house because he's scared of Stone Cold, and that's the bottom line. As soon as I rolled into the WWF, Bret Hart, you packed your bags and took your carcass back to Canada. Are you trying to say Bret Hart's a chicken? Bret Hart doesn't even qualify as being a chicken. He's a slimy substance that runs out of the south end of a chicken. <laughs> Let me make myself clear. If you put the letter S in front of Hitman, you've had my exact opinion of All right, I don't think Bret we Hart. have to go there. I don't think we have to go there at all. Brett, you and me are alike in a lot of ways. You say you're the excellence of execution. I live it every day of my life. The problem with you is you always cared what these people thought. Stone Cold never gave a rat's ass about anybody. Brett, if you ever do come back, and I hope you do, son, we're going to get in this same ring, and somebody's going to get their ass whipped, and Austin 316 says it's going to be your ass, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. And Stone Philadelphia Cold. sucks! All right. I Stone Cold so. Steve Austin and his commentary. Man, I tell you what. You know, it was... Uh, I'm not gonna lie, it was a little disheartening, you know, whenever whenever Pillman came out, I was kind of like, oh man, you know, I always liked Pillman, I was a Pillman fan, uh, more so in WCW, it was flying Brian, but you know, I, I just, I was a Pillman fan, you know, and then Owen came out and they're standing there and it's like, ah, oh, you know, two of the greats. And then, uh, and then of course, Austin comes out. This is and, pre, uh, this is before the glass shattering music too, but he was still, yeah, this was about- Ringmaster uh, music. Yeah. About the time he started to take off. Yep, he uh, he stood the ringmaster music. They built up, if I'm not mistaken, this was the WrestleMania match they built up to that actually turned him into the the badass baby face. And the fans turned him when he bled out. You know, but you you look at these three, you've got yeah, the Austin thing. and Pillman. Huh? Hollywood Blondes. Hollywood Blondes, man. Tag, former WCW Tag Team Champions. Uh, that gold chain that Austin wore for years and years it was actually a gift from Pillman. It still has it. But, 
you had those two. Then you've got uh, they had they had their little uh, running the WWE together too, or WWF. Uh, and then you've got Owen in Austin. You know, you've got Owen who nonchalantly almost or did end you know Austin's career. And then you've got Owen's brother Brett who made Austin's career. You know. Uh, and and people can take that how they want it, but it, had that match not have ended like it did, Austin would have never became the babyface, the tweener, and got the push and, and got where he was. Brett, Brett made it. Owen broke it. This was a great promo. All three of these guys were just gold on the mic. Even as it ended, you know, Austin was starting to do this because Stone Cold said so. Uh, Pillman takes That's another jab. Yeah, Philman takes another jab at Philly. After he says that, he says, and Philly sucks because I said so. Of course, he gets heat. From yeah. Uh, Mark Henry is seen outside seeing Philly. He'll make his in-ring debut later against Waller. Third match, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog defeated the Smoking Guns by pinfall to become the new WWF Tag Team Champions in about 11 minutes. Sonny acting like a petulant child. I gave my time to you. I gave my money to you. Heck, I gave everything to you. Well, beg your pardon. I thought you guys could be champions. I thought you guys could really be winners, but you know what? How great did Davy Boy Smith look back in the day? That dude was huge. Yeah, he was and, good. Uh, yeah, you know, I was always a fan of him and Owen. I thought they worked good together. I thought they made a good tag team. It was weird seeing Billy Gunn as, as small as he was and Bart as jacked as he was. Now, a lot of people don't realize but Billy. Billy's tall. Billy's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but, you know, Billy's just jacked to the moon now. And, uh, man, back then when he was chasing Sonny around or whatever, he was just skin and bone. And, you know, Bart was in there all jacked up. And, but you talk about, you know, even the smoking guns in their, in their time, they were a great tag team. I they, thought so, they, too. They had good chemistry. So, uh, you had four guys in there. You know, well, obviously, they were champions. So, I mean, that, you know, somebody had faith in them. But you've got, you've got four of, of the best tag team wrestlers in that era, in my opinion, in the ring at one time. And I thought it was a great match. Oh, yeah. Billy was chatting with Sonny. Bart is pushed into Billy. Billy pushes Bart back. They're starting to be a little friction here. It was about the time they start, they break up and go their separate ways. This allowed Bulldog to hit his power slam for the win. Sonny then fires the guns after the match. Again, setting up this breakup here. Um, I thought and still think the Smoking Guns are very underrated tag team. Billy Gunn went on to be a WWE Hall of Famer, currently in AEW. Mark Gunn vanished after the Brawl for All debacle. I know we've talked about that several times, of course. 
Owen and the Bulldog no longer with us. Bulldog's set to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Owen, probably not. No, you know, and it's – I've got so many mixed emotions about that. You know, he's definitely Hall of Fame worthy. Um, but at the same time, you know, part of me, the wrestling fan of me once, once uh, was it Martha? Was it, I think that's his wife's name to you know let the let the wrestler show, let him show how great and everything he was. But the human side of me, you know, I can't blame her for not wanting anything to do with him. You know, it was a bad, tragic, you know, accident. But it was just judging from what I've seen and done the research on it. You know, it was a, kind of a careless mistake. So yeah. I feel like that could have been prevented, and I don't know. I don't blame her. Jerry Lawler comes out, cuts an in-ring pre-match promo against Mark Henry. The only reason I watched any Olympics at all was to see if one synchronized swimmer drowns, if they all have to drown. That's the only reason I watched any. Now I want you people to keep a close eye on Mark Henry, because I'm fixed to take him to school. It's going to be called Wrestling 101. And he is going to get the wrestling lesson of his life, I promise you that. He's going to be so scared. He's going to be so nervous. Keep a close eye because I think he might wet his pants when I get through with it. Hey, at the next Olympics, maybe you'd be a javelin catcher. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Mark Henry. Get ready because, like I said, you're fixing to get a wrestling lesson of your life. I've forgotten more about wrestling than you'll ever know. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you right off the bat, I'm going to start it off with something real simple for you. Just a basic headlock. I'm going to show you he can't even get out of a basic headlock. He's got no business being in a wrestling ring. Mark Henry defeated Jerry the King Lawler in a little over five minutes by submission with a Canadian backbreaker. It's a backbreaker. It's a backbreaker. The King wasting no time in submission. It's a backbreaker. For some reason, Leaf Cassidy, Al Snow, Marty Jannetty, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley come out after the match and attack Mark Henry. Henry takes all of them out. Of course, they're trying to give him the rub here, which works. Uh, this would be Mark Henry's debut. Uh, he signed a 10-year deal with WWE uh, for $250,000 a year during this time. Business was not great at this time, and it caused a little backstage jealousy. Uh, not a great match, but not a bad debut for Mark Henry defeating Jerry the King Lawler. Of course, Henry goes on to be a Hall of Famer. Lawler, of course, also a Hall of Famer. This weekend, USA Championship Wrestling celebrating 50 years in wrestling uh, in Jackson, Tennessee for Jerry the King Lawler. You know, that's the thing. You look at, you've got, like, I, I was going to say the same thing. You've got Jerry Lawler, who is a Hall of Famer. Mark Henry, who, who became a Hall of Famer. Uh, Triple H, you know, that was back when he was still John Paul Levesque or, or no, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I'm sorry, Hunter Hearst Helmsley before the Triple H came in. But uh, Marty Jannetty, you know, you, all of all of them, you know, it, it's sad because they sent in like the the heel jobbers at that time to, to kind of go in there and let Mark squash. Uh, Lawler came out with a great promo. I always loved listening to Lawler. He's, he's uh, a master. A heel. He really is oh, man. master on the mic and ring psychology and getting the crowd involved. 
yeah, he's just he's always been great. And, you know, I get that they were wanting to push Mark Henry, and and you know, look, it obviously paid off. I mean, he's had a, an amazing career. You know, he was was the the All American baby face, and uh, then he went to the the Nation of Domination, and uh, you know, now the what was it, sexual the, chocolate, the sexual chocolate, Don't leave him Halls out, of, Hall of Pain, and yeah. stuff. Now on a uh, uh, the best uh, top-rated uh, sports show on X Series XM, Busted Open. Love that show with Dave LaGreca. Uh, he's one of the hosts. I think he's a host on Friday or Saturday. Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray the other other days of the week. But yeah, what a career he's had out of this match right here. Full over five minutes, and like I said, it wasn't the greatest, but the King helped him through it, and uh, both of them Hall of Famers now. Let's not forget about Marty. You know, that's the thing. Dude, Marty Jannetty. Um, <laughs> you know, I like Marty Jannetty. Marty, you know, he was. He, I kind of felt bad for him. He's saying now, you know, he made some comments. If you ever want some entertainment, go to his Facebook. But a few weeks ago, oh, yeah. he basically uh, confessed to a murder. Now he's saying <laughs> part of a storyline. I don't know what company he's working for nowadays as he's involved in the storyline, but okay. You know, that man, that's what I was going to say. You know, back, I've always felt sorry for him because Shawn Michaels is just, you know, obviously Hall of Famer, just his career, just, you know, the sky was the limit. And Marty Jannetty never got the break. You know, he was never as good as Shawn, but he was entertaining. But he was, you know, he, you could definitely tell he was the weaker link. And, uh, and now that guy's just lost his freaking mind. He just, some of the stuff he posts, like he'll post, he'll post conversations that he's having with other people, but he'll start mid conversation and you have no idea what he's talking about. And then, uh, yeah, the murder, uh, you know, the, the, he killed his neighbor kid or whatever and stuffed him behind a building. Man, I don't know that, that dude needs some serious help. Yeah. Well, speaking of dead man, the fifth match, the dead man, the undertaker defeated Goldust a little over 10 minutes in a final curtain match by pinfall after a choke slam and a tombstone pile driver. Final curtain match is basically there must be a winner. Uh, that winner was the Undertaker. Undertaker, no doubt, a future Hall of Famer. Goldust still killing it today in AEW. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like he's just getting better and better as he gets older. And you got to think at some point, even though he's jump shipped to AEW, eventually he'll end up in that Hall of Fame as well. Man, I don't know how he could. You know, especially as Goldust. I can see Vince, you know, doing that where he doesn't induct him as, as Dustin Runnels or whatever. But, you know, Goldust was such a was such an innovative character and such an important part of the Attitude Era. You know, he was doing something that never been done before, and it was, you know, it was a you know a six foot five blonde haired Texan that was doing it. You know, it wasn't you know it just he was able to change his entire career and change his whole way you know way of life or or whatever and just nail this part. And it went on for so long. It went on from the from the sexual part of it all the way when they started turning a little bit. You know, then that, he got electrocuted and he had the stut, 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 stuttering. And, you know, he was just able to evolve so much. And, 
and I agree with you. Like now, I, you know, and I'd like Dustin Rhodes back in WCW. He was, you know, 20 years old. I liked him best as a natural. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With the natural Dustin Rhodes, man. But now, you know, he's he's 50, 50 plus, probably, and he's better than he was when he was 20. Often, I've thought about that. Is he better now, or was he really this good back then? We just never got to see it. Now we're just getting to well, see it. Could be worse now. Yeah, that's true. But to us, he looks better. Yeah, that's that's true. It could have been a whole, uh, you know, whole booking or producer issue that uh, they just wouldn't let him show what he could do. Uh, but if he was having matches today, like you know, back back then, he'd have been three times a star. I guess. And uh, you know, hopefully, probably never would have saw the Goldust thing. But I don't know. He's he's just at his age hitting that Canadian Destroyer and just some of the stuff that he's doing. It just it's awesome. Kevin Kelly's backstage interview, Shawn Michaels, and what could have been Shawn's worst interview ever was not good. You know, not since I won the World Wrestling Federation title have I gone out and defended this belt and been really, really nervous, you know? And the reason for that is because I feel like I can out-wrestle anybody in the World Wrestling Federation, but let's face it, I am wrestling the wackiest cat that the World Wrestling Federation has ever, ever seen. If I could go out there and wrestle him, I'd have all the confidence in the world, but you never know where this guy's coming from. So I got to tell you, I'm a little bit jittery, I'm a little bit nervous, but one way or another, the Heartbreak Kid's going to do what he always does, and that's find a way to get the job done. You know, uh, it's really a politically correct statement, unorthodox. That's very nice. You know, this guy is whacked as the day is long. And yeah, they got Cassie's. They're playing mind games with me, and believe me, if there was a mind up here that you could play with, you'd be getting the job done. But unfortunately, there's not a whole lot upstairs when it comes to Shawn Michaels, and thank goodness, because otherwise... I'd really, really be in trouble, and I'm already nervous enough as it is. Mankind, Paul Bear, one way. <laughs> I really don't know how. Up to this point, I'm about to walk up to the ring, and I've got no idea how it is I'm going to deal with you two. I guess I'll just think on the job, I suppose. Uh, he talked about being nervous for the main event, so maybe the poor promo was just him acting nervous, and it came off wrong, came off a little awkward. Mankind, what do you have in store for Shawn Michaels? Misery and destiny. You see, I live to make Shawn Michaels miserable. I live to make his click feel the pain that I've known my whole life. You see, Uncle Paul has told me that it's my destiny to hear Shawn Michaels gurgle screams. It's my destiny to hear his liver rupture. It's my destiny to hold my hand aloft, Uncle Paul, and cuddle that heavyweight title. It's destiny. And after that, we'll all have a nice day. Uh, leads to the main event. Shawn Michaels defeated Mankind by disqualification in 26 minutes, 25 seconds after Vader interferes. Up on a casket. Oh no! How about that? 
You know, uh, another one, Vader, you know, he's, he's left us too, but the diehard Mick Foley fans, I feel like are the only ones that give Mick Foley credit. You know, everybody remembers him for falling off the cage and, you know, the barbed wire and all the blood and everything. But like this match here, you know, Shawn Michaels was a technical wrestler. I mean, he, he could, he wrestled and mankind who was a lot bigger, a lot heavier, been through, you know, just Hades and back. They didn't get the credit, but he was able to, you know, he was an actual good wrestler too. I mean, he could move and, and he did the holds and he just, he liked the hardcore side of things, but uh, he doesn't get as much credit as an actual wrestler as I feel he deserves. Right. He came out in the casket. Now this was his, this was his very first WWF pay-per-view main event and it was for the world title. It's kind of a big deal for him. Uh, it looked like Vader was a bit slow getting into the ring. Could have led to a, a botched finish here. Psycho Sid comes out, makes the save. <clears throat> After the match, Mankind and Paul Bear continue to attack Sean and put him in, go to put him in the casket. But the Undertaker's inside waiting. Uh, he comes out, makes the save, which continues his feud with Mankind. And then of a, two years later from this feud would be that infamous legendary Hell in a Cell match where he does come off the top of the cage. Uh, not a fan of this finish, but this was a great match between him and Shawn Michaels. Mick Foley in his book said it was the finest match of his career, the best match of that year, one of the greatest matches in history, and one of the best three things he's ever done in history. That's, uh, that's saying a lot coming from the man himself. You know, like I said, it, he just doesn't get enough credit. There's a, there's a move that he's done forever. And I know other guys have done it too. I just love watching him do it. When he gets thrown into the ropes and he goes to go over and he gets his neck twisted in the ropes. And he hangs there, and he's and he's done it as Cactus Jack, you know, a handful of times and stuff. I that's how he, he just lost always here in Japan. Falls, and it just, yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know. But it just doesn't stop him, and that's the thing is like he he really dedicated a lot to it. The fact that they didn't have Sean go over clean and kept Mankind where he looked strong was pretty cool because I know uh, Foley's actually stated that you know Vince never was a was a Mankind fan until later on and so you know somebody obviously believed in him back there and and uh i think it was a good way to finish maybe not the best in the world but it was a good it was a it was good that they didn't bury him right uh twitter polls i threw out a couple options for this week this was the one that got the most votes uh at neon ghost 41 said mind games it's uh, always one of my favorite first recommendations when people want something to watch i love that show at Squared Top 10 said, I was at that very event. That was my first event at the time of uh, the new Core State Center. It's called something else now. He said, my highlight memories when the ECW wrestlers got involved in the match. It was great. Uh, what do you think, man? You have you have a favorite segment or a favorite match? Man, I tell you what, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed so much of watching this. I really enjoyed seeing Austin pre-babyface. Pillman and Owen in the ring. That was probably my favorite segment uh, just because of who was there, you know, who was involved. Uh, Match-wise, I wasn't a fan of the strap match. I never really cared for those. Um, I liked JBL. It was cool seeing a young JBL. I would, I would probably have to go with Mankind and, and, and Sean because I feel like all the other matches were kind of – 
kind of dubbed down, I guess. Davy Boy and Owens tag match was good, but you know, I feel like with Jose and, and Jim Cornette and and uh it just feels like it feels like they didn't have a really strong pay per view or a strong main event idea. So they just kind of dumbed down the rest of the card and and you know made it what they could. I gotta tell you, I agree hundred percent. Love the uh Austin Pillman Owen segment. Uh the thing with the strap match, I love the ECW involvement. Um, unless you were a hardcore fan at the time, mm-hmm. you, may, you might not even know who those guys were. But I thought it was pretty cool back then. And yeah. it's pretty cool now knowing uh, what you know now about how Heyman and, and McMahon were actually kind of working together behind the scenes to take down WCW. But uh, favorite match by far, the, the main event. If, go, in my opinion, go back and watch the main event uh, if you're going to watch anything at all on this. But overall, what do you think? Thumbs up? Thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I've got to give it a thumbs up. I, I liked I I liked the segments. I'm probably not giving it a thumbs up because of how good of a pay per view it was, but just how much I actually enjoyed going back and watching it. Yeah, um, I, I gave you all, you know. Yeah, it you know it is what it is. Like I said, I think I feel like they dumbed down a lot of the a lot of the matches to make the main look so good, but I really enjoyed going back and watching it. I give it a thumbs up based on the main event alone. Uh, McFoley himself, I mean, says it's his best match of his career. Uh, one of the best three things he's ever done in wrestling. He's world champion, former world champion, fell off the cage, mm-hmm. uh, had historical matches, and, and this is one of the, the best three things, according to him. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up. You know, that's and that's and like you said, everything that he's done, the, the champion, the off the cage but you know the historical matches in japan and and all the the brawls with uh terry funk and vader you know, foley's had just an amazing career vader, yeah. yeah vader you know just just an amazing amazing career so it's pretty cool that he would list this match as one of the you know one of the top three yeah he doesn't get near the credit he deserves for putting himself through hell just to entertain the fans you know man that you know, was actually that? with steven I was actually with Stephen E. just a little bit ago, and uh, he went to a Comic Con up in Chicago a year or two, two maybe three years ago, and uh, there was uh, he walked into this little kind of like an auditorium, but a real small conference room, maybe something like that. Not auditorium. So he walks in, and uh, there's no line, and he goes in, and it's Mick Foley, and it's just him sitting there, and uh, so you know he got to sit front row right there by him, and. And that's one thing that we were talking about is Stephen was so impressed or so, uh, so astonished at uh, the fact that there probably wasn't 15 people in there, you know, and it was, a, you know, a lot of seating, you know, if, if people would actually go back and, and look at what he's done, you know, that place should have been packed. I bet it would be now. Stories. I mean, New York Times bestselling author, been in movies, yeah. uh, you name it. He's, I don't know that. He's, he just keeps climbing up higher on the list the, the older I get and the more things I, I find out about him and learn about him. He's given us a shout-out before. Hello, this is the hardcore legend and WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley here to talk to you for just a moment about the slop drop. Now, I'm kind of new to the whole podcast thing, but right up on the tippy top of my favorites is the slop drop. So if you're looking for an infotainment podcast that recaps old school pro wrestling events mixed in with results, random facts, obscure facts, opinions, and more. You can't go wrong with the slop drop. Try it out today and make your day a nice one. Yeah. 
Man, that about wraps it up. Follow us on Facebook at The Slop Drop, on Twitter at The Slop Drop 1, wherever you get your podcast, We're probably there. Leave us a good rating, a good review. doesn't cost you a penny, but it helps us a lot. Again, as always, uh, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, we're out of here. Goodbye and good night.